Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. We are in 2 Samuel chapter 9, and we're going to study the story of King David and a man named Mephibosheth. We're going to call today a table of grace, and we're going to see ourselves in the story of Mephibosheth, his lameness, his brokenness. He was a crippled man who needed the grace, who needed the mercy of the king, and we're going to see our lives in his story today. I'm so glad you're joining me. I hope you'll take a moment, and I hope you will download our free mobile app, Awakened to Grace, wherever you get your apps. Hello, I want to welcome you to Preaching Christ Church. I'm so glad that you're joining us today. And there is a special message that I have had on my heart all week to share with you. And it is the story of King David and Mephibosheth. Our story is found in 2 Samuel chapters 4 and chapter 9. And it's those two stories, those two chapters that really highlight an incredible story of grace. And that's what I want to share with you today. I want to entitle today, A Table of Grace. There's a song that I have loved for a really long time, and I think this is the way that the Lord put this sermon into my heart uh, beginning last week. I just was going around the house humming this song, singing this song, and uh, whereas I very, very rarely preach before uh, or, or sing before preaching, I do want to share just the course of this song with you. And it lays out how beautiful the story of David and Mephibosheth really is. Because Mephibosheth was lame, he was crippled, he was broken in both of his feet. He was completely unable to walk. And what we're going to see in our text today, mainly in 2 Samuel chapter 9, we are going to see that David brought Mephibosheth to his table, the king's table, to eat every day of his life. Mephibosheth, from this day on, that he was given grace, that he was given kindness, that he was given favor from the king, no longer did he just get by in life. No longer did he have decent food. No longer was he just okay provided for. No, he had the king's best. And today I want to show you, using the Bible, how you and I, we are Mephibosheth. We are broken by sin. We are crippled by sin. We have an incredible inability to come to God on our own. And how it is God, for Christ's sake, that gives us kindness, that gives us mercy, that gives us love and favor and help. And how you and I are seated at the king's table. I want to sing just this small chorus. And it's what I've been singing for the last couple of weeks. And it's really what shaped my thinking in going into today's scripture. This is called Carried to the Table. I'm carried to the table. 
Seated where I don't belong, I'm carried to the table, swept away by his love. And I don't see my brokenness anymore when I'm seated at the table of the Lord. I'm carried to the table, the table of the Lord. Go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 9. If you want a little background on Mephibosheth, you can find it in 2 Samuel chapter 4. And what the Bible tells us about his childhood is that he was the grandson of King Saul. He was the son of Jonathan. Now, Jonathan and David was a very incredible relationship in the Bible, an an amazing friendship between these two men. And Jonathan, being the son of King Saul, knowing that King Saul and all of his lineage was rejected by the Lord and that King David would one day rule Israel, Jonathan and David made a covenant with one another. Jonathan, knowing that the plans of the Lord would prevail, Jonathan asked David, he said, when my father's house is destroyed and you are king, he said, will you show my children and my lineage, will you show them the kindness of the Lord? Very specific language And David and Jonathan made a covenant with one another that David would always show kindness to the house of Jonathan, ultimately to the house of Saul. So where we pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 4, when King Saul, as well as Jonathan, die in the exact same battle on the same day under the Philistines, there is pandemonium and chaos in the king's palace. In this world, when there was a monarch change, well, then all of the descendants who could claim heir to the throne, all of them would be exterminated. All of them would be assassinated. And the direct line to the throne of Israel lied in this young boy, this boy named Mephibosheth, who was the son of Jonathan, the grandson of King Saul himself. And at the age of five years old, the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 4, Mephibosheth, his nurse, ran with him, holding him. And in the chaos and in the haste of fleeing from the palace, not knowing who was going to kill or who would assassinate this young boy who was the prince, who was heir to the throne. Well, the Bible says that the nurse in her haste, she fell with him. And we don't know the damage, how the damage came into his feet. But the Bible says that from that day, he was crippled. He was lame in both of his feet. And he forever lost the ability to walk on his own. 
And that's the last that we hear of Prince, this young prince named Mephibosheth. Until we come to 2 Samuel chapter 9. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, after quite a few years had passed, scholars think maybe about 15 years, David asks the question in verse 1 of 2 Samuel 9. He says, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness to? What a remarkable question. David remembered his covenant with his greatest friend, Jonathan. And so they find a servant of the house of Saul, and they bring him before David in verses 2 and 3. And David says again, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I can show? And notice what he says, because this is very specific language. God's kindness. You see, in the covenant that Jonathan and David made in 1 Samuel... The covenant that they made, Jonathan is very specific. He says, show kindness that the Lord shows. And when they made this covenant, it was about the kindness of God, the, 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 the loving kindness of the Lord. It's quite fascinating that the word kindness here in the Hebrew is a very special word. It's a very complex word. It is so complex that it actually takes two of our English words to understand the one Hebrew word. And the Hebrew word for kindness here is hesed. I think better pronounced hesed. Hesed. And what does hesed mean in the Hebrew language? It actually means loving kindness. It's not just kindness in the sense of doing a random kind act for someone. No, it is kindness in the sense that there is love behind it. And when Jonathan made this covenant with David, his request is that David would show hesed, loving kindness to his household. Well, David remembers this. And David asks, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show Hesed loving kindness to? Well, I want to show you three simple things today about this story of Mephibosheth and David. I want to show you that number one, Mephibosheth was found. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that Mephibosheth lived as a fugitive, but no doubt he felt like a fugitive. No doubt he always looked behind his shoulder. No doubt he knew the way that society functioned in that day and that it would only be a matter of time before King David's men found him. And no doubt he lived as a fugitive. He lived always looking behind his shoulder. The Bible tells us that he lived in a place called Lodabar. <laughs> Lodabar is very interesting because what it means is a waste land. It means no pasture. That's literally what the term means. No pasture. It's almost as though he got as far away from the king's palace as what he possibly could. He went to the most undesirable place to live because, in my thinking, in my feeling, because he lived as a fugitive. 
He always lived on the run, afraid of when David's men would one day catch up to him. But do you know what's interesting? (laughs) When we think about God's grace, do you know that God's grace pursues us? Do you know that God's grace has a way of finding us? Many of you listening, you have this testimony. You can, you remember how you were out in the world and you were just living your own life. You were living it up and, and and you just were in this wasteland. You were in this sin. You were living what the Bible says in Luke 15, a riotous type of life, a prodigal life. And then you remember well how the grace of God found you. For some of you, it was even though as though you were not looking for it, but God's grace found you. Some of you, God's grace found you because parents were praying for you. Godly people were pursuing you in prayer. They were calling upon all of heaven for salvation to come into your life. You had an Abraham praying for a lot. And thank God Almighty that grace pursued you. And grace found you. Grace knew where to look. See, the grace of God will go often where other people will not go. And it, will, it has a way of finding us. Hallelujah. And some of you have that testimony. I believe there's some of you watching and some of you listening right now that you are just now beginning to seek the Lord. But you don't know that all your life people have been praying for you. Some of you have parents that's already passed away and went on to heaven. You have grandparents who's already went on to heaven. And even though they have died, their prayers for you have never died. They're still before the throne of God. And their prayers are alive and their prayers are interceding and they are praying upon your behalf. Oh, my friend, grace has a way of finding us. And some of you listening right now, you are in a place of Lodabar. You are in a place of no pasture. You're in a wasteland. You're in a place where you're truly not happy. You're really not content. You've tried living the way you want to live. And it's left an enormous, gigantic void in your soul. Well, my friends, grace is pursuing you. That's why you're watching right now. That's why you're listening to this broadcast. It's because grace is after you. Hallelujah. And when grace finds you, let me tell you, it will change your life. Grace knew where to look. Grace found Mephibosheth in Lodabar in a place of wasteland. But do you know what grace also does? Grace not only knows where to find us and how to find us. (laughs) Grace has a way of calling us back to the heart of the king. So when Mephibosheth was found, he was called to come to the king's palace. They had to pick Mephibosheth up. He couldn't carry himself. He couldn't bring himself to Jerusalem. See, he had to be carried Because he was lame. Friends, do you realize that this speaks of our inability to come to God on our own? It's quite fascinating that Mephibosheth, his great fall was of no fault of his own. His crippleness, 
his lameness in his legs, in his whether it was his ankles or his feet or uh, whatever part of his feet or legs that were permanently damaged, he had an inability that a fall cost him that was of no fault to himself. Friends, do you realize that when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, see, you and I never signed up to be sinners, did we? We never did sign up to say, yeah, I'll rebel against God. I want to do that. No, the fall was of no fault of ourselves. But nonetheless, we are affected. For the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and Romans chapter 6, those are very key chapters to understanding the effects of Adam and Eve's sin upon all of humanity. And see, the Bible says that just as Adam and Eve disobeyed God, so sin and death spread upon all humanity. So as one man's disobedience, the Bible says, speaking of Adam, brought sin and death, the Bible says one man's obedience, speaking of Jesus, can now bring life and healing, and wholeness, restoration, in one word, salvation. But you and I must understand, if we are apart from Jesus, we're like Mephibosheth. We don't have the ability. We don't have the capacity. We are crippled by sin. We are lame. We are unable to come to God in ourselves or in our own merit. We are absolutely incapable. We must be carried to the Lord. Mephibosheth was not only found in Lodabar, he was carried to the king's palace. And you know what happened when he came before the king? Oh, I love it. You can read it in verses 9, verses 8, 9, and 10. You can read it for yourself. He comes before the king, before King David. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I wonder if David could see Jonathan in Mephibosheth. I wonder if he had Jonathan's eyes or his cheekbones or facial features. I wonder if his tone of voice may have reminded David of his best friend, Jonathan. But he comes and, you know, know, another great, other people kept telling David, oh, he's lame, he's crippled in both feet. But you know, David never cared. David, David never said, bring him to me if he's in good health. Bring him to me if he's strong and able to work. Bring him to me if he's in good condition. No, no, David never asked. David never put any conditions on it. Do you know why David never put any conditions on it? Because listen to this, listen to this. It was for Jonathan's sake that David was keeping covenant. See, before Mephibosheth was ever born, Jonathan and David made covenant. They made agreement. I'm going to show loving kindness. And whether Mephibosheth deserved it or not, 
whether he was worthy or not, whether he was in the right condition or not, whether he needed extra care or he had this baggage or he had this crippled. No matter what the condition, it didn't matter to David because it was for Jonathan's sake that he was going to share such grace and such loving kindness. Friends, do you realize it's the same for us? It is for Christ's sake that God loves us. It is for Christ's sake that he has forgiven us. That's what the book of Ephesians teaches in chapter 4. That God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. And so watch the scene unfold. Mephibosheth comes before David. And David says, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth says, I'm your servant. Can you imagine how scared he was? I mean, he knows, he knows the way this stuff works. Did David bring him before his throne to cut his head off there, right then? Is he going to toy with him? Is he going to throw him in prison for a few years before he has him killed? Mephibosheth doesn't know. He has no idea what's going to happen to him. And he says, I'm your servant. And what does David do? (laughs) It's quite remarkable. David says, do not be afraid. Oh, what a... That just staggers me. That, That phrase means so much to me. See, do you realize? Hallelujah. I know, I know in my heart right now that I'm speaking to someone very specific. No matter how many hundreds or thousands of people are listening to this right now, there's someone right now that this is a word for you. God has you watching. God has you listening because he has brought you to this moment. He's brought you to this place. Listen, you and I are afraid of God because of Adam and Eve, our parents. Do you remember what happened when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden? And the next time that God came, that very day, he came to walk with them in the cool of the day. And do you remember what they were doing? The Bible says they were hiding from the Lord. Why? Because they were afraid of him. And see, in our sin and in our crippledness, in our lameness, in our brokenness, we are afraid of the Lord. And that's why some of you, you're wanting to come to the Lord. You're wanting to surrender your life. You're wanting to repent from your sin. You want to live for the Lord. You want to glorify God. You want God to change your life, but you're afraid. You're afraid. What if he doesn't accept you? What if your past is too bad? What if there's not forgiveness for the things that you've done, the things that you've said, the things that you've thought? What if there's not forgiveness there? No, my friends, this is such a beautiful story of grace, and it is to reflect the heart of God. And What is the Lord saying to you today through this sermon today? What is the Lord saying? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You remember the prodigal son in Luke 15? The Lord keeps bringing me back to this. I keep referencing him today. Do you remember, do you remember the prodigal son from the time the Bible says he came to himself, he woke up, he realized, what am I doing? 
I'm going to arise and I'm going to go back to my father's house and I'm going to tell my father, I have sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. And will you not just bring me back as a son, Lord? Uh, He said, Father, just make me one of your servants. That's all I want. Just make me a servant. I'm not worthy to be a son. Just make me a servant and feed me bread that the servants get. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us how far away he was. The Bible just says he was in a far country. But I imagine from the point of that far country to his father's home, he just kept rehearsing over and over what he would say. Would his father be angry? Would his father be mad? Would his father reject him? The Bible says the exact opposite. The Bible says that while he was yet a far distance away, while he was way out, his father was looking for him. And his father ran to him. You know, in that day, ancient days, old wealthy men did not run. And his father ran to him, embraced him, fell upon his neck and kissed him and wept. And he said, this is my son who is dead but is now alive. Who was lost but is now found. You know what the point is, my friend? Some of you listening right now, you're wondering, will God forgive me? Listen, for that father with the prodigal son and that parable and that story, showing God, the father didn't forgive him when he came home. The father forgave him while he was gone. And he was looking for him. Could it be that God's looking for you? Could it be that God is crossing people with your path? God is moving in your heart. God is convicting you of your lifestyle. God has even led you to watch or listen today. Why? Because God is ready and eager to forgive you. Mephibosheth was found in Lodabar. We are found in a wasteland, in a desert place. Mephibosheth was carried to the king's palace. Grace brings us to the throne of God. Grace does for us what we in our sin, in our disability, in our crippleness, do not have the ability to do. And then watch this. Grace enriches us. King David enriched Mephibosheth. He says, don't be afraid, Mephibosheth. Here's what I'm going to do. Mephibosheth had lived in Lodabar, a wasteland. David said, I'm going to restore to you all the lands of King Saul, your grandfather. And not only am I going to restore all the lands to you, you're going to, have, you're going to have everything you need, but you're not going to live in those lands, Mephibosheth. You're going to live in Jerusalem with me. And listen to what he said. Verse 11, chapter 9, verse 11. You're going to eat at the king's table. <laughs> That's why I want to call today a table of grace. You see, when the king said four times in this chapter, four times he says, you'll eat at the king's table. See, Mephibosheth was no longer going to have just enough. Mephibosheth was no longer going to live as a fugitive. 
Mephibosheth was no longer going to have to look over his shoulder and barely make it in life and barely just survive. No. Mephibosheth was going to be treated as a son of the king. Mephibosheth was going to be carried every day of his life to the king's banquet. (laughs) And you know, the king didn't just have decent food. The king had the best of the best. And do you know what I think the Lord is telling us here? I think the Lord is telling us that God does not give just a little bit of himself to you. God doesn't just give a little bit of grace. God doesn't give just enough for you to survive in life, enough for you to barely get by in life. No, God wants to sit you at his beautiful, abundant table of grace where everything that you need in life, everything you need spiritually, everything is provided for you. Why? Because you are now a son, a daughter of God. Isn't that just like the Lord? This story is a story of grace. And what is grace? What is grace? Grace is God giving to us what we don't deserve. You may feel unworthy. Mephibosheth felt unworthy. You know what Mephibosheth said to David when David said, I'm going to restore the lands of your grandfather to you. You know what Mephibosheth said? He said, who am I that you would consider a dead dog? That you would even have compassion on a dead dog? That's how he saw himself. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 1 that we are all dead in our sins and our trespasses. And Mephibosheth said, I'm a dead dog. In other words, he's saying, I'm unworthy. I'm not... I'm not, I'm not worthy of this kindness. But what made him worthy? I want you to listen to me. It was the covenant that David and Jonathan made. It was the kindness, the Hesed, loving, covenant, grace, kindness that David gave to him. That's what made him worthy. And some of you don't feel worthy. Many times I don't feel worthy. But see, it's not about me. And it's not about you. It's about the grace of God upon our lives. It's about the covenant between the Father and the Son. It's really not about us. So the next time that you feel unworthy, the next time that Satan tells you, you're not worthy, we'll just say, you're right, devil. I'm not worthy, but that's why it's not about me. It's about the rich grace of Jesus. It's about the glory of God. And you say, Chad, how do I get past these things? How do I, how do I, you know, when I'm, well, just let me be frank and let me, let me tell you what the Lord told me this week. I feel like many who are watching, uh, you you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get very serious about the Lord. You'll get serious about your faith, serious about digging into the Word of God, serious about going deeper with the Lord. And yet, many times, Satan will come to you and say, you can't do that. You can't do that because of your past. 
Do you remember back then who you were? Do you remember the things you did? Do you remember how the the kind of man, the kind of woman, the kind of teenager you were? Do you remember your past marriage? Do you remember the mistakes that you made? No, you're fake and you're a hypocrite. And you're not that. You're not who you're wanting to be. You're that other person. Oh, what a lie from the devil who is the father of lies. You say, Chad, how do I get past that? How do I I grow in grace to where I'm not hung up on feeling unworthy? Because the Lord don't want you to feel that way, my friend. See, the Bible teaches in Colossians. Help me remember, Lord. It's Colossians chapter 1. The Bible says, But thanks be to God who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. God has qualified you. You can't qualify yourself, certainly. But see, that's why it's a work of grace, not a work of works or a work of human merit. It's a work of grace. So what I'm saying to you, my friend, if you struggle with past sins, if you struggle with a past of whoever you were prior to Christ or prior to God leading you to repentance, I'm saying this, let grace be grace. Let grace be grace in your life. And recognize it's not you who qualifies you. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who qualifies you to share in the inheritance that we have as God's people. And you say, Chad, how how do I get past this? Well, watch this. Mephibosheth never forgot that he was lame. As a matter of fact, when chapter 9 closes, the very last words about Mephibosheth, and this was for the rest of his life. See, David didn't say, you'll eat at my table as long as I live. David said, you'll eat at the king's table as long as you live. And this was for the rest of Mephibosheth's life. And listen, he never forgot that he was lame. He never forgot his lameness for the last thing that it says in chapter 9. It says, he ate at the king's table and he was lame in both feet. That's the last thing said. But listen, when you're at the king's table, you don't see your brokenness anymore. You don't see the lameness you don't see the crippledness. That's why I love the song that I sang in the beginning. I don't see my brokenness anymore when I'm seated at the table of the Lord. So let me ask you, my friends, are you seated at the table of grace? Or are you out here busy working, trying to earn God's favor, trying to earn God's merit, trying to earn forgiveness, trying to do things that make you feel better. No, you don't need to do that. You need to come and accept God's grace. You need to let the Lord Jesus seat you today at the table of grace and you'll not see your brokenness anymore. Oh, you'll never forget where you come from. You'll never forget Lodabar. You'll never forget your need for Jesus. But you won't see 
the inability anymore. You'll be seated and you will dine, you will enjoy, you will fellowship at the king's table. Are you seated there? If not, I want to invite you right now to come before the Lord. I want to invite you to pray a prayer of repentance. Because do you know what leads you to repentance? What have we said this whole time? What have we said? Kindness. David said, verse 1, chapter 9, Is there anyone left of Saul's house I can show kindness to? Jonathan asked David, Show the kindness as unto the Lord to my children. Verse 3 or 4 of chapter of chapter 9, many of you know I'm blind and that's why I don't read, that's why I don't preach with a Bible. I believe it's verses 3 or 4 of 2 Samuel 9. David says, who can I show of Saul's house? God's kindness. And do you know what Romans 2 says? I believe it's verse 4. It's either verse 4 or 14. You can look it up for yourself. The Bible literally says word for word, God's kindness leads us to repentance. Has God's kindness, has his grace found you today where you are? Even in the sin that you are in Lodabar? Has God's kindness, has his grace carried you to the heart of the king? Is God's kindness and his grace willing right now to sit you at the table of grace? He absolutely is. That's why you're watching. That's why you're listening. So will you pray with me right now, wherever you are, will you pray with me? And as I always say, it's not the prayer that's going to save you. It's responding out of faith. It's the, it's the heart not just the action, it's the heart. And so with your heart and with your mouth, pray with me right now. Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you broken, crippled by my sin, without any ability to forgive myself. And today, Lord, I ask for your mercy. I ask for your grace. I ask for your kindness. Will you forgive my sin and change my life? I want to sit at your table of grace. I accept your salvation today and I make you Lord of my life now and for eternity. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you prayed that prayer with me today and I trust that the Lord is working in your life if you did pray that prayer, or if today spoke to your heart, and, and uh, listen, I would love to hear from you, even though I'm blind. If you email me directly, I have AI devices, and it will read your email straight to me. So will you please take a moment and email me? It, my email is very simple, Pastor Chad Roberts 
at gmail.com. Pastor Chad Roberts at gmail.com. Let me know if you prayed that prayer. And I want to pray with you. I want to stand with you. I want to encourage you in your faith. I love you so much. And I thank you for listening to this broadcast. Join us next week on the same time, the same platforms as we grow spiritually together. Thank you.